Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, February 4th, 2022. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Today, we're going to be discussing the latest film and TV news. I'm joined by Slash Home staff writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Happy Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. It's the end of the week. I feel like this week went by faster than than a lot of weeks. Oh, no. This week sailed by for me. I, <laughs> I can't even really explain why, but yeah, it just, I think it was really more my hope and desire to wish myself to Friday evening so I can get to my screening of Jackass, but that's probably. Oh yeah. I'm so excited to see Jackass. I have tickets to see it. Uh, not tonight, but like this afternoon, because I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that there's going to be less people in the theater. If I see it like at a, you know, two or 3 PM screen. <laughs> That's what I ended up doing. Well, I, I took a similar approach when I saw Scream a couple of weeks ago. I went at like an 11 p.m. screening with a buddy of mine, and there was us and two other people. And it was, you know, that worked out. But uh, my screening tonight is pretty full, but I'm going to go ahead and risk it. Yeah, I, I know you talked about Moonfall yesterday, but that's another one I want to see this weekend. So I, I, I'm excited that there's movies to, like, go to the theater to see this, this weekend. This is it might be a hell of a good weekend because like Moonfall, unironically, so fun. And uh, and and, you know, again, if you buy with that movie selling, you know, coupled with like <laughs> like the like the the return of Jackass, which is like the first live action comedy to be released in a theater in like two years or whatever. You know, I don't know. It's a it's a good weekend for movie going for sure. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. Uh, but let's dive into the news. Uh, we have some news from Sony Pictures on a new Marvel movie and casting for Madam Web. Ryan, tell us about it. Yeah, so this has actually been in development for a couple of years, uh, you know, sort of after Venom made its unexpected boatloads of money. Um, Sony sort of looked at some of the other hundreds of characters it controls related to Spider-Man and decided to develop Madam Web who is a character that certain fans might know from the Spider-Man animated series. Uh, she also had a prominent role in the uh, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions video game. Uh, but Dakota Johnson of uh, 
50 Shades franchise fame, as well as Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, and a whole bunch of other movies, is going to be playing Madam Web uh, in a movie directed by S.J. Clarkson, who is one of the most uh, accomplished uh, TV directors uh, of our time. Uh, same writers uh, behind Morbius uh, pen the screenplay, and uh, no word on when it's going in production, but it seems like this is the next one gearing up. So, I, I you know, seems like it's coming together. Uh, there's some weird stuff to consider with it. Uh, Madam Web is generally depicted as a very old woman who doesn't necessarily fight villains. Uh, Dakota Johnson is not uh, um, that. Uh, Deadline did note that the project might evolve into something else due to that, but they also noted that because of her clairvoyance and telepathy, and she kind of has this weird ability to traverse time and space uh, because of her abilities, uh, that she might end up becoming like Sony's version of Doctor Strange, uh, which paves the way for some kind of crazy theories. But yeah, so that's where we're at. Okay, I you know I read a lot of the Spider-Man comics when I was younger, but I do not remember this character at all. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're saying she's going to be – the speculation is that she's going to be kind of like a Doctor Strange-like character? What um what what else do we know of her from the comics? I know that you have written up a explainer that's going to be on slashfilm.com probably tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So so my familiarity again came to her originally. Uh, the later seasons of Spider-Man the animated series from the '90s involved her quite a bit, um, and uh, so that was where my fam- familiarity came to. And again, I think a lot of people that's probably where where they got it from. And again, also I, I can't recommend enough. If you can find a copy of it, Spider-Man shattered dimensions, uh, made the multiverse cool before it was cool. Uh, very excellent video game. But yeah, so she's, she, uh, Cassandra Webb is the person behind Madam Webb. She, she has this, uh, odd disease that I can't remember the name of, but she goes blind when she's young. And then she ends up needing this big, crazy device to kind of keep her alive and, and functioning. And it, it just so happens to look like a spider web. And, uh, you know, uh, she's a mutant, uh, oddly enough. And then, like I said, she has clairvoyance and telepathy and this vast intellect. And, uh, yeah, so she ends up becoming a huge ally for Peter Parker and, you know, initially ends up helping him find some kidnap victim. And there's quite a few crazy stories that, you know, as is the nature of comic books. But but yeah, the 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 clairvoyance and telepathy and, and ability to sort of kind of sort of see the future and, and other dimensions through that might pave the way for her to sort of, my, my guess is that she might sort of be the person that can unite the various worlds that Sony's Marvel universe is going to inhabit. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very cynical about what Sony is doing with the spider verse outside of, you know, the movies that they're working in conjunction with Marvel studios out, outside of, you know, the Lord and, Miller stuff right too as well well we uh, i believe it was a few weeks ago we discussed my crackpot theory of a live action spider-verse movie eventually happening and yeah. the, the fact that madam webb is now becoming a thing i have a strong feeling that that might be the linchpin that makes me right <laughs> uh so yeah that's kind of my that's my guess What's our feeling on sj Car- uh clarkson because i i know like you said she's done a lot of phenomenal like wildly accomplished though like not to be not at all to be 
discounted that she hasn't done a feature yet. Like, oh, oh for sure. But yeah. I wouldn't consider these like you know prestige shows for the most part. Like, you know, uh, she did some episodes of Heroes. She did an episode of House. And a couple episodes. I mean, just of Dexter. going down Succession, Collateral, The Defenders, um, Vinyl, Jessica the Defenders? Jones. Oh no. Okay, yeah, Jessica Jones. And then, you know, Orange is the New Black, Bates Motel, uh, The Bridge, Dexter, House, Heroes, Life on Mars. You know, she's, I mean, EastEnders, she's, she's got, I mean, if for someone who hasn't yet made the jump to features, that, that's a hell of a resume. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it, but for me, it's like a real mix. <laughs> I think of like some some good, some good stuff and some uh, stuff that I would probably never want to see again. But. I think the interesting though with TV though, the interesting thing with TV though is you kind of you got to go where the yeah. where the flow takes. And I would think that like, and especially my, as a as a female director working right. in TV, like my it's not like you're yeah yeah. You my assumption is that the stuff that wasn't so great probably had less to do with her, and the stuff that was great probably had a lot more to do with her. That seems to be because because she's flirted with a lot of big features before. So my guess is that like the people behind the scenes are aware. No, no, she's got something. You know, it's it's not she doesn't seem to be the issue with anything. Yeah, I think it's just uh, her involvement in the, the Defenders. I was so excited for, you know, that Netflix team up of all the Marvel characters. And I was so disappointed by that show. And I know she's not, you know, she only directed two episodes of that. So it's not like it, it it's all on her back. So, well, no. And I also think she was she wasn't necessarily the one scripting the show. She was asked yeah. to direct the scripts that were in hand. And I would argue that Jeff Loeb is the problem (laughs) or was anyway, but, but like she, she directed (laughs) those episodes, like from a, you know, directorial standpoint, you know, she managed the scope, the action, the, you know, the, she did what she was asked to do. And I think did an admirable job. I'm really curious to see what happens with the Sony spider verse. Now that, you know, <laughs> it seems like Venom is successful and, uh, you know, coming off of No Way Home with that uh, yeah. that box office, yeah. it's, it's... Just imagine... It, me, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, can some of the success of that rub off on the, the rest of the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Just imagine for a second, just like what we might have on the table in a couple of years in... Okay. So you get Dakota Johnson as an old woman in a giant spider chair with <laughs> like... Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Tom Hardy's Venom, Jared Leto's Morbius, and Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven the Hunter in the same room for some reason. Uh, boy, <laughs> boy, we could be in for it. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see what that is. I'll say that much. Um, yeah. And also, something else I'm interested to see what it is, uh, is Moon Knight. This is the series coming to Disney plus it's from Marvel studios and it's part of the MCU. It stars Oscar Isaac and they released a trailer a couple weeks back, maybe last week. I don't know. Time all blurs together at this point. Uh, I don't think we discussed it on the podcast, uh, but what did you think of the Moon Knight trailer, Ryan? Uh, So I'm not like as well versed in Moon Knight as some people are. I read um, who is who is Brian. There are people. Well, so like I was a big Doctor Strange guy before the movie and I felt like the guy who loved Doctor Strange and other people didn't. And I think there's people like that with Moon Knight where like there are people that really love Moon Knight. And uh, so I'm not one to discount that. Um, But so I've read some Moon Knight. It's cool. But uh, Moon Knight's weird. 
And, and I thought the trailer was weird in like a cool way. And so I'm like, okay, like, let's get weird. Like we're at a point yeah, well, where we're, we're, we're 14 years into the MCU or whatever it is. Let's get weird. <laughs> I kind of felt the same way watching this trailer as I did watching like the trailer to Eternals. And I, I don't want this to, to come off as a, a negative, but it just seems like so different and so strange. And I don't know, watching the trailer at first, I was like, wait, is this a movie or TV show? I I, I completely forgot in my, in my brain. Is this a movie? And it really looked, it, it plays out like a movie trailer almost. Uh, more so than like a, a trailer for a TV series. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what it is. It, it looks so different from everything that is in the MCU, which is uh, both a thing that uh, makes me want to see it more and also makes me a little uh, weary that it, you know, it might turn uh, out like look, Anything that gets me Ethan Hawke as a bad guy, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Oscar Isaac has been doing some press and he came out and uh, he, he says that this is a limited series, something that we didn't know because, you know, the Marvel Studios shows on Disney Plus, Kevin Feige has said that some of them will be like a limited series, aka a mini series one season, and some of them are being created so that they will have multiple seasons, uh, i.e. Loki and probably uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff like that. Um, But it seems like this is of the limited series variety. And the trailer really feels like that. It feels like it is like almost one of those shows where it's a movie told like a a TV series length movie, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, where you're stretching a two and a half hour idea to six hours. (laughs) Hey, you said that, not me, but like... um, No, 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 that's just my frustration with a lot of TV. That's me coming out. Fair fair enough. Uh, But honestly, some of my best, some of my favorite TV shows are the ones where the first season is like, an adaptation of a movie or a book because it's literally like them taking the source material of like one story. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not born on the whiteboard of like a showrunner in a TV. You know what I mean? Like they're adapting one story and uh, telling it over a feature, like a, the length of a, of a TV show. But anyways, um, back to what Oscar said, uh, I'll read you his quote here. He said, I'd never heard of Moon Knight before, and I collected comics when I was younger. I had heard of Morbius, but I'd never heard of Moon Knight. I don't know how the process was for you because Morbius is a feature film. We're a limited series. There was a lot of room to try stuff because there wasn't the pressure that we got to make sure. Uh, wait, there wasn't the pressure that we got to make sure. We make however many hundreds of millions of dollars on the opening weekend. So we can make it a very point of view. We can make it make very weird decisions. At the moment, it feels like that's where more of the risk is being taken because it can financially. So I think he's talking about TV over movies. Yeah. I I think you would have to agree with that, right? Well, right, because also it should be noted he was doing one of Variety's Actors on Actors and he was talking to Jared Leto. So they were going over like Morbius versus Moon Knight. Um, And yeah, like I think that's the idea, right? Like Moon Knight might be a tough sell as a movie, even at this point in the MCU. But I think like as Kevin Feige has said many times before that like these characters will cross over into the movies. 
like Miss Marvel is going to be in the Marvels, aka Captain Marvel Two. I have no yeah. doubt in my mind that you you get Oscar Isaac and you pay Oscar Isaac Oscar Isaac money. That <laughs> as soon as Moon Knight is done as a limited series, you're going to see Moon Knight in a movie. Like there's no way you won't. Uh, so that's kind of my feeling. For sure. Okay, let's move on to our next story. And this is something I think that's pretty obvious. We were even speculating about this uh, last week. I called it on and Monday. It, oh, oh, yeah. Was it this week? It was yeah, earlier it was this, this Monday. Week. It was on Monday. I, I said it on Monday. So I just want that to be known. What did you call, Ryan? I called it that Scream 6 was going to be announced any minute. I believe I, the joke I made was if it's not announced by the end of this sentence. Uh, and uh, it took a couple more days. But but uh, but yeah, so go, uh, Scream, Scream 6 is not just like in development. Like this is happening. Uh, same uh, directors, uh, the filmmaking collective known as Radio Silence, uh, Spyglass and Paramount Pictures are full steam ahead. Same screenwriters. Um, uh, they're planning to shoot this summer. Uh, no plot details, of course, no title uh, officially, but yeah, like this is straight up, like they are wasting no time. So if you look at it, if they film this summer, this could easily be in theaters in time for like Halloween 2023. Uh, so yeah, I mean like this is full steam ahead. Scream six, <laughs> uh, you know, makes every bit of sense in the world. Uh, remember yeah. back in the day when they would have saw movies and they would actually have them come out every Halloween. That yeah, was crazy. Saw, Saw was maybe the only horror franchise to ever pull that off aside from like Friday the 13th because Paramount yeah. famously, again, going back to Paramount, Paramount like was kind of ashamed of the Friday the 13th movies, but they kept making so much money that they like had to make another one. Um, and it was like a fast, but yeah, it was for like, I, I think it was almost like, it was like eight years in a row. There was like a Friday the 13th movie every year and Saw was, the, Saw was close to that. Um, yeah, so I don't think, you know, we'll get, I don't think modern Hollywood allows for that to happen, but you know, in the pandemic era, getting a new movie turned around and what's going to ultimately be like a year and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. I joked on Monday. What is this going to be called? Is it going to be titled scream two? What, what is your, what is your, like your speculation of what the, what it could be titled? Stab eight is what I want it to be titled, yeah. but that's not gonna, I genuinely don't know. Um, I, I think, I had reservations about them just calling it Scream as opposed to Scream 5 before I saw the movie. But oddly, the movie sort of does explain why they called it Scream, like yeah. due to the meta commentary of it. Uh, so, again, we're really getting into like a meta layer sandwich here. But like, I think they're probably going to have to they're either going to have to go with Scream 2 or do the like subtitle thing like scream the the sequeling or god knows what but like you know what i mean like <laughs> they might have to do away with the numbers and finally just do like a subtitle or something yeah uh, i, I know i knows? pitched on monday but i think they i think they should call it the scream sequel <laughs> what I yeah or, or whatever like but but, but, but I, I think it's going to be it'll definitely be like a bit of a tip of the cap um i think scream 2 would be a bit like hat on a hat you know, like, I think that might be, but yeah, they're yeah. going to, I don't know. Who knows? The main thing is, I, I think like it's smart that they kept the exact same filmmaking team together and it's smart that they're getting it done quickly. Uh, you know, do you so. think, okay. One of my biggest criticisms of, of this new scream and I really liked it. Like for the most part, I, I, I love this new scream, but I think the thing that, 
hurts it the most is the cast just is not on the level of the original Scream cast. Like, there's no iconic performances. There's the, the charisma is is not there between them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no Nev Campbell. There's no uh, David Arquette. There's no Matthew Lillard. There's no Jamie. Ken- like, I don't know. Like, all those are iconic. I yeah, couldn't even but, tell you the name of the main character of Scream, but, and I like the movie. But I feel like is that is that maybe us just bringing? Because I don't know that I I don't know that I felt exactly the same way. But is that like sort of like people that were previous fans of the franchise and grew up at a certain time bringing your own baggage to it and sort of like you know not because I feel like a lot of people are connecting with the new one, and I kind of wonder if if that maybe is not just more of like a like a generational personal thing more than it is a actual really? problem with the movie. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, cause I think like the original scream was a bit bigger in some ways. Like Matthew Lillard is a very big personality, you know, uh, it was a little like almost campier in some ways. And, uh, I feel like that, that allows for a certain type of performance to be in there. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I didn't process it that way, but, uh, and, and by the way, I, nothing against the actors that are in this movie. I personally think it comes from like a, a almost like a script level. Like it, you're right. Like the the Lillard character from the original Scream is written much bigger. I don't know. I I, I just feel like there. I'm not sure if I need to see another adventure of these people. Do you think it's going to be the same characters coming back? I think, again, if you're going to try to capitalize on what just happened and you bring all the same filmmakers back, I have no idea why you would move on, especially. Be, well, are we are we past the moratorium of spoilers on this one? Because like because I, I feel like, okay, uh, all right, I won't spoil it, but one of the new is there any way you can you can walk around it? Okay. That's what I'm going to do. So one of the new characters, there is something about her that is sort of teased in this movie, but is not revealed and is very clearly left hanging. And it feels like that is a thread that is going to definitely be pulled in the next movie. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I that's feel fair like, enough. so I, I, I feel I, like that was to move away from that character and to not address that big thing that wasn't addressed. So I feel like they almost teed that ball up like intentionally. Uh, well, I know the the filmmakers have said that they even had ideas for a sequel when they were on the set, so yep. they have something in mind already, and it's it, like you said, it's happening. Uh, let's move on quickly to Amazon. They have released an entire army of Lord of the Rings, the the Rings of Power character <laughs> posters. Yeah, yeah. H- have you have you seen these character posters? Y- yeah, yesterday our Slack channel in a in the Slash Film newsroom was flooded with them. Uh, yeah, I mean they're. Yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> what, my first impression of these character posters, and not that like we're going to spend that much time on character posters here on the on the podcast, but my first impression is this feels more Game of Thrones to me than it does Lord of the Rings. Well, I think in adapting the the works of Tolkien <laughs> for the small screen. That's that I imagine it's probably going to be Game of Thronesy with a, leaning a bit more into the fantasy element. Like that's probably what we're going to get. Um but like also bigger I think. Like I cuz I think the budget is just absolutely off the chain for this. So like yeah, I I 
I, I don't know. It felt a little end gamey to me. Like it felt like they're wow. Do we really need 23 of these? Like, what does this do for your marketing? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, they're, they're just trying to, you know, making imp- like in impact. Like they're like, you know, if, if we do this, they'll see the epicness of what, what is coming. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, they were, they, they were kind of uninteresting posters, but it definitely was a hell of a statement to be like, Hey, here's the show that isn't connected to the movies you love. Uh, here's 23 posters. Uh, like, I don't know. It was kind of like, wow. All right. I think I saw someone rank the posters by the, the grips <laughs> that the hands in the posters. Had. <laughs> um, I should, I, you know what? Go ahead. We, we are here to, uh, to make content around movies and TV shows. And sometimes you got to find an angle. And yep. I love that angle. Well, my favorite, I should give credit to Hannah, one of our uh, editors at the site. She pointed out that quite a few of the characters were holding fruit and that uh, she was kind of hoping that the end game was that they were going to make a fruit salad. And I thought that was uh, that was delightful. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, look, let's be honest. They're not they're not giving away much yet. Um, we've seen a little teaser, but it wasn't a lot. Uh, they're kind of holding this back. Like, I think they're waiting for their big reveal. Um, I think the trailer is probably going to be pretty, pretty epic, good or bad epic. Who knows yet? But like, I think that there's, there almost seems to be some hubris on Amazon's part with this, with this show. Like, I feel like they are so confident and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay, if you had asked me two years ago when this pandemic started, uh, you know, we we were doing this podcast back then, and one of the big discussions at that point uh, was, you know, what will this mean for the future of movie theaters? And honestly, a, a bunch of us on this podcast, and you know, in in the movie verse of uh, of talking about the, these things, were actually s- skeptical that movie theaters. Uh, at least uh, multiplexes as a whole, like these big multiplex companies, would actually survive this thing. But it, it seems like they have. And uh, even before the pandemic, streaming services didn't really want their movies to be shown in the movie theaters to compete with uh, you know people subscribing to the services, or at least not uh, Netflix. I guess, I guess Amazon and uh, Apple have been a little bit uh, more lenient to do that. I know you you just wrote up this this article on slashfilm.com speculating are streaming services going to buy movie theaters. So yes. what what will you tell us what's going to happen here, Ryan? Uh look, I uh I don't know. I'm not a prophet, uh but I am sort of obsessed <laughs> with but I am sort of obsessed with the movie business and as someone who particularly wants the theatrical experience to survive it's interesting looking at how quickly the industry doubled down on streaming the second the pandemic kicked in and uh the thing that we're seeing now with all of these competing services netflix is having a very tough time getting new subscribers so you know they missed quarterly expectations again they lost something like 50 billion dollars in value almost overnight um amazon is raising their subscription price again you know, to kind of help offset the revenue they're spending for content. Um, uh, you know, Apple TV Plus is making deals with places like Skydance. But what's interesting is there seems to be less, like the idea of purely a subscription-based model for revenue seems like it has its limits. Like Netflix might have hit their ceiling, you know, so then what? Um, and you look at like 
Apple TV Plus in particular is sort of going after like becoming a filmmaker's destination. Um, well, what do filmmakers want? Filmmakers want their movies on the big screen. Netflix, in some cases, is given like token releases, you know, mostly to qualify for awards, but that's not really doesn't mean anything. And it certainly doesn't do anything for the bottom line. Well, when you look at the fact that AMC theaters is still saddled with crippling debt, uh, even at best, we're looking at 80% recovery by the end of like 2023 at the box office. What does this all lead to? And to me, you look at giant tech companies with like Amazon and Apple with like endless amounts of money and these services being boss leaders for them. Why not just buy some movie theaters and then you can control the whole situation top down? You can because I think the other the other part of this to consider is that consumers don't really care if the movie plays in theaters, then goes to a streaming service. They just care that they can see it when they want to see it. So that that that's almost a non-issue. I think the exclusivity thing in that sense uh, but yeah, so I'm kind of just moving the pieces around the board and I can sort of see where for a couple of companies it might make sense for them to sort of get into that a- as a business move. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, you know. If you, um, if you had to predict which company is going to go into it first, what do you think is, who do you think it's going to be? It would be Apple or Amazon would be my guess because there were, there were unfounded rumors that uh, that Apple or that Amazon was maybe going to make a play for AMC early on in the pandemic. Um, and I believe that there were definitely conversations had, but, uh, uh, yeah, because again, you look at Amazon, the streaming service is a very small part of their business. And it's more about getting people to subscribe to Amazon video to buy other things on Amazon. So the idea for them would be, especially because Amazon does a lot of filmmaker friendly type movies. Well, if they had a whole chain of movie theaters to sort of put those in and potentially both offset their costs, you know, with box office earnings, not necessarily trying to make a ton of money at the box office, but as sort of like a, a good PR thing coupled with generating some revenue. Yeah, I think I could see that. See, when, when I was speculating years ago of like, you know, Netflix or Amazon getting into this business, I was like, maybe it would be cool that your Netflix subscription or your Amazon sub, uh, Prime subscription could would get you. It would be like Movie Pass or I guess uh, AMC A list now. Yeah, where I it hadn't would get you into the movie. That's smart. I hadn't considered that, but that could certainly be like they could tier the subscription stuff, right? Where like if you're a moviegoer and like Netflix suddenly either cuts a deal with a a, a, a um chain or they buy a, a share of a chain where you could say, okay, I have this level of Netflix subscription and that will allow me to go see Netflix's big movie in a theater if I want to go see it. That's another way they could go about it. But I do think all signs are pointing to streaming for streaming sake has its limits with this much competition in the marketplace. And the business is going to have to evolve and this is one way it could. Do you think if this does happen, if a a streamer does get into the movie theater business, will those movie theaters just be showing their movies or will they be – can they even operate showing other studios' movies? That's kind of the interesting thing because it used to be way back in the old days of Hollywood, studios also owned theaters and they would generally only show their movies. Um, it was It was complicated. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think like the idea, like, let's say Amazon did buy AMC. That is the largest theater chain in North America. You couldn't just show Amazon movies. Um, you, you would essentially be taking over that business. Uh, 
yeah, I don't, I, that's the part where, you know, I don't work for a studio. I don't own a big hedge fund. I don't, you know, I, 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 that's where my knowledge kind of runs out, but you'd have to imagine that it would have to be a cooperative business. You would have to work with the other studios and you know, that that's, but again, the other studios would then essentially be pouring revenue into Amazon's pocket, which would be interesting. Yeah. Honestly, the most exciting thing for me in the prospect of a streamer buying a movie uh, movie theater or, you know, starting a movie theater chain is the prospect of being able to watch some of the TV stuff on the big screen. Because, I, do you like, think, it, I guess they would maybe do that for like premieres and stuff, but I don't know. Are you talking like what, what do you what do you imagine like a full season binge in a theater? Like, uh, you know. The Saturday, uh, Stranger Things three comes out. Let's go to the theater. It's a marathon. From, okay, so, you know, nine a.m. Yeah. to to midnight or whatever. I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's just me because I think most people nowadays, especially with what the pandemic has kind of pushed uh, the, this agenda along, people just want to watch it at home in the comfort of their own home. They can pause it whenever they want. They can go right. take a phone call. But I also uh, think though there would be. There would be a percentage of the audience, though, for those bigger shows that like because I think part of the thing like movie going will need to evolve in that like it needs to become more of an event than just a than just something you do on a Saturday afternoon. And I think the notion of like, oh, there's a you know, this Saturday only come stream Stranger Things season three marathon and, you know, in the theater like that could turn it into more of an event type thing, generate a lot of PR for the company behind it. Um, you know, especially like even looking at Amazon with this Lord of the Rings show. Oh, you get to watch the first four episodes on the big screen or whatever, you know, like there, I, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Cause the best one would be Disney plus, but I, they're the one I see the least likely to do it. Like, whereas like mm. Disney plus, like doing like star Wars or Marvel shows in the theater. But again, I see them as being the least likely to get into that business. So I don't know. It's interesting. See, uh, you live in Texas, right? Indeed, I do. Um, now, I'm not sure if they still do this, but uh, there's a chain in Texas. Actually, they're nationwide now, Elmo Draft House. But I remember when, like, uh, you know, I would go there and the uh, Lost was on TV. And every week they would actually show Lost in their theater. And it was actually interesting because you're not allowed to ch- charge. For for TV for broadcasting a TV show in the theater, so basically what you do is you spend I think five or ten bucks to uh, buy a gift card for food that would ensure your seat. Yeah, so they still do stuff like that, but not so much for broadcast TV. But they still do events like that, where like so I think they broadcast the Oscars every year is one thing they do. Um, Yeah, they sometimes would do like Netflix movie stuff. Like one time I went and they did Gerald's game and they had, um, oh God, what is the lead actress's name? Drive me nuts. Uh, uh, but yeah, she was there to do a Q and a and, uh, but yeah, so like you would just buy like a $5 certificate and go, you know, to, to reserve your seat essentially. And that could be spent for food. Um, and I think they've done, don't hold me to this, but I feel like they've done some TV stuff, but again, I think it's been worked out, you know, but yeah, the draft house does a lot of like unique stuff like that. And uh, I think like that event driven cinema thing definitely has uh, a place in the future for sure. Yeah, I feel like it could work better if it was like a weekly TV show than it would be like the Netflix, you know, 
drop the whole season <laughs> binge watch scenario. Well, but again, like um, this is where Disney Plus would come in. Like if they decided to get into it, you know, I, I, every single week I would go watch The Mandalorian in a theater as opposed to watching it at home. Are you kidding me? You know, like so. Uh, yeah, like that. But again, it's weird that I see Disney <laughs> being the least likely to do it. It's so strange. Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, people can read your whole article on SlashFilm.com. I'll link it in the show notes. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please head on over to our Apple podcast page. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday. <laughs>